I need, I need help today. It's very important for me to know that you understand how to do 45. Can you do 45 with your hands? I want everybody to try this, not just kids. kids. Ready? This is how you do it. Okay, ready? You've got to do it quick. See, it's not easy, is it? Everyone will be able to go 45 with your fingers. Try it again. What? You did 10. Come on, do this 10. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. It's hard. Now, you'll, you'll work out shortly why we need to be able to do this, because every now and again I'm going to say the word 45, I want to see the hands go, oh, goodness, that is hard, isn't it? That, that is hard. Come on. You're a guitar player too, that's hard. So we're talking today about problems and promises. We're in, uh, in Joshua chapter 14, and this is the famous bit where Caleb, who's an old man, says, we've fought this far, I want my land. I want my land. So it's about problems and promises. Now, he, they faced a lot of problems. So we'll read the scripture shortly. If, if you want to look it up, it's get ready for it's Joshua 14. But we, we've got like big problems in our world now, haven't we? What what are the big problems? War. Famine. Drought. We've got big problems. Persecution of different religions. Uh, surprisingly, Christians being most of them, also Urgar Muslims in, uh, in uh, other places. In India at the moment, there's big problems. They've just had a train wreck. 900 people injured, maybe 300 died. That's a massive effort, isn't it? I really encourage you to pray for relief efforts there and also for the Christians that are around the place to stand up and be counted and get involved and share the love of God and somehow support and help other people. So there's, there's big problems that seem so big we can't possibly do anything about it. Doesn't mean we can't, but it seems that way. Then there's, there's what we call third, first world problems. Now, I'm going to read you some first world problems. These, these are genuine difficulties people are facing in England, Australia, Europe and America. And they're so difficult, so great with these challenges, they posted about them on Twitter and Reddit. I was at Tesco the other day and the conveyor belt wasn't working. I had to move the shopping up to the lady all by myself. They've posted this. They've bothered putting this on Twitter. My dishwasher broke, so I've had, I've had to wash the plates myself. Oh, 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 oh. That was Reddit. I had to wash them by hand. Oh, my giddy aunt, the poor thing. <coughs> this is really tragic. The Wi-Fi dropped out at the gym. <laughs> so I had to do my workout with no music. Oh, 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 oh. Who can we sue over that? I had too many breadsticks last night at the restaurant, so I couldn't finish my main, or I wouldn't have been able to have my dessert. Oh, oh my goodness, the difficulties people face. Isn't it interesting that, that anybody would have the temerity to post that kind of thing when there are real problems in the world. What, what I struggle with most are my own personal problems. We all have problems, don't we? 
we have problems in our hearts, problems in our lives, things go wrong around us. Uh, and sometimes they're little problems, but if you don't sort out the little problems, they become big problems. So if you were at school at the moment, what would your biggest problem be? Social media. That's interesting. That's a parent's perspective. Isn't that interesting? No. Would you say that's a big problem? Exams are the biggest problem. Is this a personal cry for help? Because <laughs> at what stage are you now? A level. Doing any exams? Oh, wow. We best pray about that. But that's sort of like, it's like, feels like, I mean, you're smart, you do okay. But even so, it's a, it's a biggie, isn't it? That's a biggie. What else would, problems would you have at school? Peer pressure. That means other people will be squeezing you into what they want you to do instead of what's in your heart. Bullying. Cliques. Lots of problems, aren't there? Sometimes the problems seem so big you think you could never get over them. I think we should pray about some of these problems. It's funny that the big problems we talked about earlier, like famine, people trafficking, hunger, poverty... It's amazing how often, when there's a problem, God raises up somebody to solve it. And how often it's a Christian. How many hospitals have been built around the world by Christians in places where there were no hospitals? How many missionaries went out and thought, we need a medical centre here, and they organised for a medical centre? They became part of the solution. We sang that song, Waymaker, I'd... Uh, I just love that song because it speaks about how God does the impossible when we're faced with massive problems. And my problem might not seem that big to somebody else, but to me it's massive. If I'm at school and people are laughing at me, this is a big problem for me. This makes me feel small and bad and stuff like that. Thank you. I'm a bit worried I'll get feedback if I wander around here too much, but... This is a big problem for me, even if I'm little. Little people can have big problems, can't they? I need... Um, I'm just going to break for a moment, but I, I need my friend Jamie to help me for a moment. Could you, you come out here? Thank you, Jamie. This is all sort of quite unscripted. Now... <laughs> Jamie's worried. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to say... <laughs> yeah, sorry, yes, I've just got Jamie, who you may or may not be aware is a big unit. That's what we call him in Australia, we call him a big unit. He's taller than me and a couple of pickaxes across the shoulders and stuff like that. He's a big lad, strong lad. Smells good today. <laughs> so, if I'm getting bullied at school, and I'm only little, what do I want? Anaya, could you just come here for a second? Come on. 
I promise I won't make you talk. Please. Oh, you're, she's a good girl. She's doing, she's holding her own. I like that. Well, if you were about Anaya's height, should be down there somewhere. How tall is Anaya? And up to there. How tall is Anaya? Oh, up to that height. Could, Jamie, she's about half your height. Anaya, if you was at school and somebody was bullying you or making you feel bad, if you had a big brother like this and he came along and stood beside you and went, or something like that, <laughs> to put off the bullies, would you like that? Yes, I would too. Thank you, Anaya. Thank you, Jamie. I just wanted to make the point that when we've got a problem, no matter how big it seems, and let's say Anaya's tormentors were a foot taller than her, there's always somebody bigger on your side. There's no problem bigger than Jesus. No problem bigger. Some people, when they look at the world and they see the problems, they feel overwhelmed, which I would completely understand. And sometimes my own problems overwhelm me. I've got so much to do. How am I ever going to get it done? Will, will I ever be well again? I'm so sick of being sick. All of these problems. And they're real, but there's another reality. And the other reality is God is bigger than your problems. When um, we sang that Waymaker, when I don't see him, he's working. When I don't feel it, he's working. How many times have you had in your life a problem come up and you had no idea how to solve it and then God somehow solved it? For those who follow Jesus, this is a regular thing. Sometimes the solving comes a lot later than we want it. We want everything fixed now. But we've got a problem-solving God. Here's the thing. Let's read uh, Joshua. Who's got Joshua 14, verse 16 to 13? Could somebody read that out loud for us? I should have given you advance notice. Sam. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jeponah, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, uh, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites, who went out with me, made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 <laughs> years. How many years? 
45. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the Lord, as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Amen. Thank you. So there we have it. 40 years, 40, how many years before? 40, 45 years beforehand. They've gone into the land and they've been wandering around the, 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 um, uh, the desert from Egypt trying to get to the promised land. God had promised them this land. He promised it to Abraham 400 years before. This is your land. I'm going to give it you and your descendants. So then famine came. They went to Egypt. And they kind of, this was a long time beforehand. And, and Egypt was, um, you know, had stored up grain and was a place to go in famine. You could eat there. And so they lived there. And, but then they never came back. They just stayed there. And eventually they grew and thrived there. And the Egyptians got nervous. So they enslaved them in case they took over the country. And so they ended up being slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years because they never came back. They settled for Egypt. So then God raises up Moses and says, you've got to take my people out of here. I want my promise fulfilled. So he leads them to the promised land. They get there. They send out the spies, Joshua and Caleb. And as, as we just heard, Caleb's saying, come on. God's promise is the land. You want to see it. There's grapes so big it takes two men to carry a bunch. place is amazing. Let's go get them. And the other ten say, ooh, they were very big. Those, those, ooh, giants. That's too hard. Imagine all the, all the problems, the fighting. And, and fair enough. Reality is sometimes life is difficult. But here's the difference for a Christian. For somebody who follows God, the promises are more real than the problems. The promises are more. Some people just look at the problems and that's all they see. It'll never happen. It's going to cost too much. That'll be too hard. Okay, lots of things are hard. But if God has promised, will he fulfill? Does he fulfill his promises? Well, Caleb thought, well, of course he does. So let's go and get it. Obviously, the people were swayed by the ten wimpy people who saw all the problems, and they wandered off. And, of course, their problem now was not that they couldn't inherit the land, that they were going to die in the desert and take them 40 years to do it. So sometimes you choose the right problem to attack, you know, begin to believe the promises. So that's, I guess, the message for the day is, is for people who are facing problems, there's going to be a promise somewhere in God's word to overcome that problem. When you find the promise and ask God to fulfill it, he does. So some of the problems we have are... Um, are very practical. So what are some of the very practical problems we face every day? Keeping afloat. Keeping afloat. Financially, has anybody noticed prices have gone up 10% the last two years? 10% one year, 10% the next. 
Anybody else get a power bill that went from, ours was averaging uh, 95 in the summer and 150 in the winter, my last one was 500 quid. Has everybody, anybody else got those kind of things? So financial issues can be a real problem. There's two ways. Once when you're loaded, you get tempted and you're prideful and you waste it. But for most of us, that's not the problem. For most of us, the problem is, God, I need to put, I need to put petrol in the tank, I need to put food on the table, and I need a place to live. And for most of Britain now, that's their permanent tension. How can I do it? Christians aren't immune from problems, are we? So in the Old Testament, you notice the promises change a little in the New Testament, but where's the New Testament promise to help you overcome fear of financial anxiety? I'm looking for somebody to tell me a, a verse here. Matthew 6.33. <sighs> My favourite verse just about in the whole Bible. What's it say, Al? Tell me. Okay. <laughs> this is immediately following the bit about the birds of the air and that sort of stuff. And it's where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. And it's around about the bit somewhere, I think, where it says, what's a profit of man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? And so underpinning our problem is a promise. Has anybody here had God deliver on that promise? That somehow, no matter how difficult finances have been, he has sustained you. That's a promise. I don't know if that's your problem today. It's, you know, we're doing up our house, the money is, we're leaking money like a, like, like a sieve. Paint, this, that, the other thing. And it, the bank accounts, it's like a swan dive, like that. And I'm going, goodness gracious me, we like to have a little bit of a buffer there. So, so I'm going to be doing a lot of work on my own, <laughs> not hiring too many more tradesmen. That's a real problem for all of us, I think. It's either getting enough or when we've got enough and more, not letting it get hold of us and holding it lightly uh, and stuff like that. So there's a promise. How about if you're unwell? How about if you've got a permanent sickness? What's the promise? You might need more than one promise because the New Testament doesn't promise immediate healing. It shows immediate healing. So you have to go look for the promise for healing in the New Testament. Where would you find it? Where would you find the promise for healing? Wow. Can't wait to get there. John 9 says... Nobody sinned, but he was blind so that the glory of God can be shown... So he was healed and the glory of God was shown. I am the Lord who healeth thee. Is that a New Testament or an Old Testament? It still means God's nature is a healing God. I was just thinking New Testament ones. Amen. We've also got the one in James. He says, if any of you are sick, Come to the elders, they'll lay a hand and they'll be made well. He can imply lots of other stuff too. There's a promise for every problem. Matthew 7, 7, that says, ask and you will receive. 
Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. So. Yeah, see, she knew the verse she was talking about. Al. <laughs> she didn't just say, you, you tell me what's in 7-7. She told me what was in. So we're continually being asked by God for, to meet our needs, and our needs are generally problems. If it's healing, he has healing for us. What about if you're, um, you're, you're struggling with confidence? If you feel like I have, I'm not as good as everybody else. Where would you go? What was that? God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Wow. Strengthened. Hang on a sec, hang on a sec. We've got a hand going there and a voice going. Come on. Yeah, I'm not that good. 12, 9. Uh, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfect for you. Amen. Amen. What's your weakness? An opportunity for God's power to be made perfect. I don't know what you're facing now, but there are some big problems in the world and you've got some of them yourself. I just want you to know that God has a promise for every problem you've got. A promise for every. I'm sorry, my friend. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Would you like to read that for us? Uh, this is for when you're scared. <laughs> is this for when you're scared? Okay. Correct. Okay. Here's the one. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He. Maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy self, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That's a whole heap of problems addressed. Thank you so much, Zoe. That's a whole heap of problems addressed right in there. Am I afraid? Am I worried about dying? Am I going to, where am I going to live forever? All addressed in that one psalm. That is so cool. That is so cool. So if there are promises for every problem, how come not everybody gets them? How come not everybody gets to see their promise fulfilled? Sometimes your promise is bigger than your lifetime. <laughs> You've been a, given a promise that will last generations. And so many people in the book of Hebrews we read had gone through all sorts, been cut in half, sawn in half, persecuted. But they had a vision that was bigger than their lifetime. And so their promise came, but it came beyond their lifetime. Sometimes we don't get our promise because we're not fully devoted to God. And that's the reality. 
the people of Israel were not fully devoted to God. When they had the opportunity to go in the very first time, they didn't go because they were scared and they didn't believe God. They didn't take his promise, stand on it and move ahead. They didn't get their promise because of disobedience. Some of us don't get our promise because of disobedience. And we want blessing in our lives, but there's stuff in our lives that needs clearing out. The thing about Caleb was, he was distinguished by this one thing, he believed God and followed him. Because he believed in who God was, he knew he had to follow them the rest of his life. And so he did. And so he received his promise because he believed in God and followed Whatever promise you need to see fulfilled in your life, you have to believe in God and follow him wholeheartedly. Because otherwise we're like the people of Israel who got lost in the desert. We miss our opportunities. And I don't want us to miss our opportunities. The interesting thing about Caleb was, you know, he was, he was not even a true Hebrew. He was a Kenizzite. That was a group of people, interestingly enough, if you find it interesting, uh, I hope you do, because I do. His people ancestrally came from the same part of, of Israel back in Abraham's day that he was given. How weird is that? Four or five hundred years ago, his people were living in Hebron in this hill country and somehow they made friends with Abraham's people and went with them into Egypt. And so that's why he came out of Egypt with them because he'd been there, his ancestors had gone there, his family had gone there. So when he saw that land, there was this connection deep inside. I think that said, that's my land. And when God promised it to him, he knew that was his destiny. So he came back... How many years did it go? It was 40 years in the desert, five years of fighting to get to the edge of this, this pass of land that he wanted. How many years was it? Griff, you're not even going to try. Come on. <laughs> 40, 40. This is Griff. And this is a guy who used to do puppets for a living. This is a guy who used to do all the puppets and stuff like this. His hands are... Oh, you're worn out. The puppets were too heavy. Worn you out. Okay. So it had been a very, very long time. <laughs> but something in him knew when God spoke, he believed. That was his land. God has said it was his land. That's mine. And I'm having it. And this was not an easy battle to fight. Because this was the hill country. And if you know much about warfare, I don't know a lot. But I know you get the high ground, you have a massive advantage. Because you can see people coming. You can dig in fortifications. You put in. If you've got the high ground... You're a massive advantage. So they had to go from the plains up into the mountains to win this land. Plus, these were big guys. When the spies said they're like giants, they were. This was a big, these Anakites, they were massive, physically massive. They had great big spears, great big shields, great big swords, great big everything. One of them's bed was like 14 feet long. Was it, was it 14 feet long, one of the Anakites? Was it, these are big guys. So he's going for the big guys in the tough place when the others all wimped out. And you could say this story is all about how brave and incredible he was and what a great visionary he was and how he was never going to give up. The truth is this story is about God's promise and the person who believed it.
Some of you have been sitting on promises for a little while and I just want to encourage you, stay with the promise. Stay with the God of the promise. Be fully devoted. Caleb was fully devoted his whole life. And my last verse really is I picked out for this was from um, Colossians 3, 1 to 5. You know what that says? Al, singers. Oh, that's because you've got your Bible open. No. <laughs> Colossians 3, 1 to 4 starts out with, set your hearts, seeing as you're seated above, set your hearts, your hearts on things above. Remember that? That's right. We're getting there. I think I've got it saved on my phone. Where is it? Bible, Bible. Bible, where have you gone? Colossians 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's our promise. That's our big promise. There's promises on the way, but that's our big promise. Here's the thing, it's conditional. Is Christ your life? If Christ is not your life, you don't get the promises. For Caleb, God was his life. His whole life was oriented around following, G, following the Father, following Moses, following Joshua, doing whatever God wanted. And that's why he got his promise. Now, God is kind and gracious in the New Testament. We're not under the law. We get saved. We go to heaven. And we get good things. But I want more than good things. I want my promise. I want to get into eternity loaded with promises that have been fulfilled in my life. I want to follow him wholeheartedly the whole of my life. I want him to be my life. He needs to be your life too. I'm not perfect in seeking God. None of us are. But unless our goal is to seek Christ, to seek first the kingdom of God, if he is an accessory to our life, he is not our Lord. If he's a part of your life, he is not your Lord. He's got to be your life. Then he's your Lord. Let's say, uh, uh, what's that saying? Uh, we want him resident, but we don't want him president. That's what they say in America about lordship. We want Jesus present in our lives, but we don't want him to be president of our lives. Well, the harsh saying somebody once said was, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So if there's areas of your life where he's not Lord, is he your Lord at all? That's pretty challenging stuff, isn't it? I just want you to know that God has promises for you. We heard about the one in Revelation, will there be no more tears, no more dying? When Christ, who is our life, appears, we'll share his glory. Wow. Line up whatever problem you've got, line up a promise for it. And go for it with all your heart. When God speaks to you, you believe it and go get it. doesn't matter how big the problem's seen, the promises are more powerful than the problems. Okay? So, Lord, we thank you that you're a wonderful, miracle-working God, that you do amazing things in our lives, that you have promises, and there's probably a promise for every day, I think I've read. There's at least 750 promises in the New Testament. Uh, and, and some of them are repeated, but Lord, you've given us promises for virtually every problem. 
Help us find the promises that will help us overcome our problems and believe you. We want to take the land. We want what's ours. We want our inheritance. We want what you died to give us, a full and complete salvation, a full and complete life, an abundant life. We don't want to live less than what you want us to live. Holy Spirit, come now and convict us of those things that may be getting in the way of you being completely and utterly Lord of our lives. As we sing, we pray that you would uh, wash these things out of our lives and help us catch a vision of who you are and what you want for us. Help us find the promises we need to move forward. Amen.